Welcome to episode 15 of the Worship is Life podcast, where worship equals relationship and relationship is the purpose of life. I'm your producer, Taylor Marshall, and today's guest is my friend, Sam Keefe. And here's your host, Todd Marshall. Thank you, Taylor. Yeah, we're going to have a great conversation with our special guest, Sam, and uh, really looking forward to talking about worship is life in business. What does it look like in business? That's going to be a great conversation and um, I just want to uh, talk a little bit about our tagline that we open up with, worship equals relationship, and relationship is the purpose of life. Uh, it's been a while since we've talked about worship equals relationship. Like, what are we saying when we say that? Why do I say that? Why do I travel the world teaching worship equals relationship? And um, I'm just just going to give a couple little insights that I share when I teach on this. Um, and it's interesting that over the last 50 years in, in the Christian community, in, in much of the Christian community, that the word worship has become equal with the idea of our time of singing songs to the Lord and, and before the Lord and about the Lord which uh, is absolutely true. That's a beautiful expression of worship. It's a beautiful way in which we engage with God. Uh, but of course, worship is way too big a word to um, just shrink down to one little part of our lives in relationship with God. And so just a couple little insights about why I say worship equals relationship. Uh, you know, it's interesting when we look to our Bible, uh, the word worship is found nearly 200 times in the scriptures. And only a handful of times is the word worship found in the context of music and singing, which I think would surprise a lot of people. And what's even more surprising is of that handful of times that it's in the context of music and singing, most of those times are in the story of Nebuchadnezzar and the golden idol of himself. And whenever you hear the music, bow down and worship me. So that's not the greatest example. Um, and so as I have um, studied all these contexts and looked at all these contexts in scripture where we do find the word worship, if I had to choose one word to describe those contexts, it would be the word relationship. It's cool. Um, God always looks through the lens of relationship. Everything he does is in the context of relationship. And I'll just give one of many, many examples. Uh, let's just look at the Ten Commandments. You know, when I ask Christians and non-Christians alike to describe the Ten Commandments, what do they think of when they think of the Ten Commandments? Most answer by saying, oh, it's a list of rules. It is, it's the law. It's the list of laws. And on the surface, that is true. But looking at those a little deeper, those, quote, laws, quote, commands are simply instructions on how to do relationship. So the first four commands are how to do relationship with God. And the last six commands on, are how to do relationship with others. And it's interesting, another quick example tied into that is the the person that we often refer to as the rich young ruler. When he came to Jesus and asked a question that should get our attention, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answered him by saying, obey the commandments. And the rich young ruler said, okay, well, which ones? And here's what really fascinates me in this whole thing about relationship is that the six commands that Jesus lists in finding life were the last six commands on how to do relationship with others. So that makes for a very interesting uh, conversation that we're not going to get into right now. But the fact is that worship 
in Scripture, God's description of worship is always in the context of relationship, relationship with God, which always translates into relationship with others. And uh, that's the language that we are speaking on this podcast, and it's a language that we're using to help people, um, you know, take God out of the box, uh, not build life with compartments, uh, but understanding that worship is relationship, relationship is the purpose of life, and that lens shift has um, just brought amazing fruit in my own life, uh, in the lives of my family, Mm -hmm. and uh, in the lives of many people I've been able to interact with. So that's where we're coming from when we say worship equals relationship, and relationship is the purpose of life. And our guest today, Sam Keefe, gets that, he lives that, and uh, we're really excited to to hear how that plays out in his life. So, mm-hmm. Sam, welcome to the Worship is Life podcast. Well, thanks so much, Todd. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, we are so glad to have you here. Um, and speaking of relationship, you and my son know each other really well. And so I'm just going to turn it over to you guys and uh, let you share with our listeners how you guys have come to know each other and respect each other. Uh, yeah, Taylor. Well, Sam, I told you this earlier, but uh, when we started brainstorming a podcast and who to interview, you came to mind right away when I think about um, the phrase worship is life, the conversations you and I have had, the way that I've seen you live your life. Uh, Just appreciate that we're friends. We've had a lot of great moments. I was just thinking here how to explain our relationship. And I think... um, what comes to mind is a lot of memories, like multiple memories of very fruitful and impactful spiritual moments together where um, like street evangelism and prayer room moments and praying for healing and, you know, um, praise gathering worship nights. Like I just, I just love your heart for always being at as many of those things that you can um, but also knowing that you're someone that, um, you know, has the secret place time as well as, you know, you're a business minded person. And we we're going to get to that a little bit later. But the way that you are dedicated to your work or studies in school, whatever that was. So so we're excited to have you here, man. Yeah, I concur with that, Taylor. I, I was thinking back and I think really the first time that I can remember us connecting was Kind of, I think, by the spirit of the Lord in the cafeteria at North Central, we'd never really hung out before that, and we ended up in the prayer room the next night with a bunch of random people, and yes. God just really blessed us incredibly. Yeah, man, so, that's uh, totally I, true. I just concur with, with with that. Just really impactful moments. So yeah, yeah, man, and uh, and the Lord has used you specifically in my life in a couple. Um, moments of prophetic prayer. And, uh, you know, in those moments, you know, the North Central University where we both attended and we were there for quite a while together, which is cool, um, has like an upper room where, you know, a prayer room dedicated to that 24 seven. And, and so, um, we would gather as just you and I would meet up to pray or there'd be a group of us. And I just remember like, you just hear from the Lord so well and clearly in, in like images and impressions. And, um, and I just remember you would like, you would just hear from the Lord and kind of pray over me and bring something up. And I just, you just nail it on the head, man. Like just stuff I needed to hear the right encouragement. Um, I, I believe I was with you and somebody else in one of those moments, um, where, (laughs) where, I think it was our other friend that was there, but I think you were praying with us. And she goes, she's like, Hey, have you been like dreaming about an album? And this was right when I was like literally wrestling with if I should do a Kickstarter or not, like if that's too selfish of an, uh, you know, an idea. And I was like, um, yes. And 
you guys were like, yeah, you need to do it. <laughs> I was like, okay. And that was confirmation. And then, <laughs> and then we had a, you know, another night like that where I sang through all of my songs and you guys were just in the room interceding over the music and the people that it'll reach someday. So just a lot of special moments. And then of course, all of our Friday night encounter trips. I yes. mean, we had seen some crazy stuff and I just look at you as like a, um, like a mentor in that kind of way where, you know, just encountering people on the streets and, you know, weird stuff, you know, stuff that, you know, people making decisions and doing their thing on the streets of Minneapolis. And we're just there to love on them and to share Jesus. And we saw some really amazing testimonies. Absolutely. Some of my favorite things that happened in my time at North Central were downtown at Encounter for sure. What's uh what's one story from that that you like to share when you think about those days? From Encounter specifically? Yeah, specifically, yeah. And you know, there's just so many. I know um, there are. <laughs> <laughs> um well, I I can think of just um well, I'm thinking of a lot. <laughs> well, one that's coming to mind is um as with a with a group and I look across the street and there's another group of college age students and the Lord just put something very specific on my heart from one of those guys. And so I run away from my group and go <laughs> over there and my group follows me and up with me as well. Um, and I give a word to this guy um, about a call on his life. And he said, well, it's really interesting that you say that. All of us are, are atheists, but I have been told that before. What? <laughs> and I was like, well, that's really interesting. And I, was, I explained, you know, I was an atheist before I became a Christian. Right. And I suspect that the reason you're an atheist is because you've never seen God intervene in your reality. And he was like, yeah, that's pretty accurate. And I said, well, who has pain here? Oh, <laughs> and all of the girls, lo and behold, had pain. <laughs> And so I was like, well, let's pray for it right now. So we joined in a circle and we prayed and the Lord healed her right there. Come on, dude. Wow. And there, there were four people in that circle and two of them accepted Christ wow. that night. Dude, um, come on. And the other two were just really baffled by what had just happened. Yeah, they're trying place. to figure it out. <laughs> um, and it's just one of those bizarre moments when you're downtown by all these bars and clubs and yep. you might think that it would be discouraging, but God is so at work man um and it's just yeah so many stories just like that where um yeah god god just does something even sometimes later um where i i had one guy i shared with and he just wasn't interested and two months later he calls me out of the blue and says everything that you told me has started to become very true mm -hmm. and i need god and i, I ended up being able to to lead him to the Lord over the phone, um, it's a, it's like God just really moves through any opportunity that you join with Him. Then, yeah, man, and I just have been. Um, I actually felt this yesterday. Uh, yesterday was my day off, and I was just running some errands, and and I was just reminded of encounter um, because I was just seeing people in a little bit of a different light, and I think it's easy to run to the grocery store and see people behind the cash register or in an aisle and they're just there or, you know, walk, you know, see somebody asking for money and they're just there. Or that it's like maybe viewing somebody as an inconvenience or something. But man, encounter is one of those things that's helped open my eyes to like every human that you see in whatever context, whatever their, um, the image you perceive of them is a child of God that God is reaching. If they're not, if they're not, you know, following Jesus, God is reaching out to them and might very well want to use you to love on them. And it's really sometimes simple. So it's just one of those things that can be scary that once you get over the fear, it's like such a fun, freeing way to live um, because worship equals relationship. Mm -hmm. So that's great. Amen. That's great. Those are those are beautiful examples of exactly what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. So, um you know, one of the things we do on this podcast is we want to look at what exactly you guys have been talking about in the different aspects of life. We've interviewed someone who's talked about that from the aspect of motherhood, uh, someone from the aspect of sports mm -hmm. and coaching. Um, and today is the first time we're going to talk about what this looks like 
in the area of business, which is a huge part of, of all of our lives in one way mm-hmm. or another. And um, so I'm really looking forward to this, Sam. You currently have a job in the marketplace as an auditor. And yep. um, I just love to hear your story. Well, you know what? I'm sorry. Let, let's just pause on that for a second because I want our listeners first to hear a little bit more just about you and your family um, before we jump into the auditor part of, of your life. So, yeah, tell us just a little bit more about yourself and your family. Sure, yeah. Uh, well, I was raised in a Reformed Baptist tradition, um, and it was quite interesting. I mean, my parents really loved us and really loved Christ and wanted us to know God. Uh, but honestly, I just didn't think God was there mm. um, for, for years and years. Um, and by middle school, I was very much an atheist and just there, there isn't a God. Um, and it took an encounter with the Lord several years later to really change my mind on Mm. that. Um, and so praise God, me and both of my older sisters are serving the Lord now. And (laughs) so just really thankful for that. And yeah, both of my parents are just incredible. They, They support me and the call to missions I've had, which is a little bit of a surprise, um, I was going to school for engineering at first actually, and since the Lord calling me into ministry and really processed that with my dad and ended up at North Central. And so, yeah, it's just been a, an amazing journey in, in that respect. Um, but that's a little bit about, about my family and upbringing. Is there, is there anything else specific that maybe I should share? Uh, no, I think that's great. Um, what uh, can you describe for our listeners specifically what that one encounter was like? Absolutely. Yeah. I'll, I'll do, I'll do my best. So, um, I was in a place where, where, you know, they're really, I, I really didn't think there was a God and that's how my friend group was as well. And one of my friends ended up becoming a Christian rather suddenly. And that pushed me to go back to my house and to revisit that question. And so I, I remember it was late on the night of February 1st, 2012. I remember it really clearly. And I was like, God, if you're there, you need to show me tonight or I'll never believe in you. Hmm. Um, And it was a really interesting question. Looking back, I know that actually God didn't have to respond to that. That was was totally his mercy. But I sensed a voice and whether or not it was actually audible, I don't know. But it was clear enough that I got it. And a voice said, read the book on your desk. And I'd just been given a book called Pursuing God by Jim Elif. Um, and it was, it's just a simple gospel message. And I, I read that and the message became very clear to me that mm. it was true that night. Mm. And so I surrendered my life to, to Christ. And that, that's, that's how that began. Wow. wow. That's awesome. And as you're telling that story, I'm in, in my mind, I'm just hearing over and over relationship, relationship, relationship. Absolutely. Like you yeah. talked about the influence of your friends group. Um, and then the influence of one of those friends shifting and how that just caused you to go into search mode. Um, and then that process of, of you engaging in relationship with God and God revealing. Yeah, that's what it's all about. And that's another beautiful, beautiful example. That's great. So, um, yeah, so uh, some interesting dynamics here, and I think we're going to be able to touch on all of them. Um, but uh, yeah, so tell us how um, the whole auditor thing happened. <laughs> well, that's that's an incredibly long story, so I'll try to make it very quick. Uh, but in in my call to ministry, I sensed that the Lord actually wanted me to study accounting, and I really wrestled with that because I I, I feel called specifically to unreached people groups. And I didn't see the connection there. <laughs> and, um, but I, I was wanting to be obedient to the Lord. So I studied accounting hmm. and ended up in a bookkeeping role at first at North Central. And really, uh, quite honestly, I just didn't like it at all. Hmm. <laughs> I did not like accounting. I'm not naturally detail oriented. And I was just really wrestling with <laughs> why, why am I here doing this? Wow. And I remember one day specifically, this was just um, very much on my mind 
and wrestling with it. And this guy that I'd never really interacted with stops by my office and says, hey, do you have a couple minutes where you can come to my office so I can encourage you? And <laughs> I was like, well, sure. Um, and I went over and he began to just speak life into me and say, hey, you can have an influence with what you're doing. Mm. And um, he, he mentioned a number of things, but I ended up basically getting some life coaching and understanding a little bit more about myself and learning that when I'm in a place where I don't feel like I can do what God has called me to or I'm not enjoying it, it's probably because I'm not leaning into who he's made me to be hmm. in an appropriate way. And um, that life coaching helped me to reframe accounting and to look at it as a way to serve. And uh, so I was able to actually serve by being an accountant, yeah. do things well, get things done that other people can't, answer questions that other people have. And it set me up well for post-graduation. The company I work for now, their motto is, we want to know you and to help you. Um, it's just an astounding statement in the yeah. business world. Yeah. And um, it, there is a lot about finances and everything. But the way that we look at it, and this is the message that even my bosses will communicate, is if you commit to serving your clients, the budget takes care of itself. Mm. Um, so I've ended up in a really amazing business that has a unique mindset like that. And so by stepping into that role as an auditor, um, it's allowed me to say, okay, well, what opportunities can I serve in as part of my team here that will take a burden off of someone else's shoulders? Or what can I do to help this client understand maybe part of what they're missing? Um, and how, how can I help with those things? And it's been an amazing mindset. So I, I think that's, that's probably enough on that. But yeah, well, uh, let me just let yeah. me I mean, and you, you've said it all, but I just want to reiterate, because it is so easy for many of us in work to just have the perspective of, okay, the ultimate goal here is to get a paycheck and have provision and thank God for the provision of this job so I can have money to live. And having that lens shift and this is exactly what worship as life would say in business, that perspective shift, that relational shift, that in every work you can find what it means to serve, whether you're just serving your employer or whether that serving can spread to, to many, many others. So that's, a, that's such a powerful perspective of Work is worship because work is serving. Work is yeah. worship because work is serving. Yeah. And if I can even comment on that, the biggest perspective shift that I had to have is I had internalized this piece of the American dream that mm. you should do what you love. Mm. Um, but really, God calls us to love what he's called us to do. Mm. <laughs> and so good. it's not about doing what you love, but loving what you do. And when you do that, wow. people will notice. Uh, it begins Absolutely. to have a bigger impact. And that's the biggest perspective shift I had to have. Um, and it makes it totally relational. It's all about inviting God, not just into my worship on Sunday morning, but into every sphere of life. Absolutely. Wow. So tell us more about the business world and how that has how that has played out. Sure. Yeah. So um, when I first started, it was still a real challenge. Like I said earlier, I'm not naturally detail oriented and auditing is very detail <laughs> intensive. Um, and so I, I had to really apply myself to become better at what I do. Um, but in doing that, people noticed. I, I remember just a few months in, probably six or seven months in, and one of my seniors was like, how is it that you get so much done and you're never stressed out? <laughs> <laughs> and that led to, you know, a door of opportunity to be able to share. I was like, well, you know, usually if I feel stressed out, I take a few minutes, I step away and I actually just spend time with the Lord. Um, and that's, that's refreshing enough. And, and th that's usually a good enough conversation starter to get somewhere, mm -hmm. um, where we may not, um, we may not have a full, you know, gospel oriented conversation at work, but at a happy hour after work, when the team is together, that's definitely going to lead to a gospel conversation. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so that's that's one of those conversations that I had. And then later just being told by my career coach when they, they were asking for feedback from people I've worked with. And they're like, one of the things about Sam is that we can trust him. Mm. Um, and we can't say that about everybody. We know that if we give him a task, he's going to take ownership of it and do it well. And that we don't really have to be concerned if he's going to miss steps. Um, and, and that was really encouraging to me, but mm-hmm. it, it shows more so that people really do notice when you take your job seriously in a different way, that it's not just about that paycheck. Um, it's, it's really how can I excel at this and be the best that I can be for the benefit of other people. So I, I think that's probably so, some of the things that I've noted. Yeah, and I, I also want to see if you can speak into um, the ethics part of business. You know, I've never, I've never uh, been the owner of a business. I've never run a business. I mean, I guess someone, some could say, you know, with our nonprofit now, our ministry, that 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 ethics comes into play there, and and it does. Uh, but when I think about being out in the quote-unquote business world, um, ethics, ethics is a, a huge part of that. And I would imagine in auditing, when all you're dealing with is finances and everybody wants the bottom dollar, uh, that that plays a, a huge role. And that for a lot of Christian businessmen, um, that can become a, a huge struggle when you're having to make decisions, stay afloat, especially in this last year of pandemic that we've been in. Um, so just speak to that. I mean, if you have some examples of that, that would be awesome. But just the, um, you know, what it looks like uh, following God when you're dealing uh, with the ethics of business. Yeah, that's that's a really great point. Um Basically, the reason my industry exists to the, extent, to the extent that it does of auditing is really precipitated from instances of major fraud from mm-hmm. companies like Enron that really took advantage of things. And, and so now we've got the Sarbanes-Oxley Act and many other things in place to really hold businesses accountable. Um, but it's really, you know, we don't want to just discover fraud and prevent it from happening again. We want to we want to prevent it from happening in the first place and to help people to realize that you actually don't have to cheat to succeed at business. <laughs> that's, that's a really big thing. And, mm. and um, now most of um, the things that we find in the auditing field are not fraud related. Usually if something is wrong, it's due to an honest mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, I, I do want to emphasize that. Um, but yeah, that's that's the big thing. Ethics is a huge struggle. It's very much um, whoever's entrusted with little and does well with it is going to be entrusted with much. But mm. if you're not faithful in little, and when you have a lot, you're going to make the same mistakes and you're going to have a bigger impact. So uh, that that's a really important revelation for, for people to have, no matter the size of the business, is that stewardship is critical. Um I don't know if that directly addresses what you're looking for, Tizer. Yeah. Is, is that I, yeah, helpful? No, yeah, it does. Absolutely. And I think what's really, when it comes down to the root of what that is, comes right down to the root of relationship and relationship with God. We use we use the word faith a lot um, when we talk about relationship with God, but I like to always unpack that word with some more relational sounding words uh, and specifically the words trust and dependence, trust and dependence, because really, you know, cheating and fraud and lying comes out of fear of not having enough. Um, And so the only way to really battle that is if is when you come to a place where in every area of life you are trusting God and you are depending on God, trusting God, depending on God. Um, yeah, anything you'd want to add to that, Sam? 
I, I don't know if I'd have anything to add. I just, I don't 100% concur. Really, when the scriptures talk about faith in the New Testament, trust is a better translation of that word. It really brings the meaning out a little bit more. And we have this tendency to over-spiritualize faith into this ethereal thing that mm-hmm. we can't really understand. Mm-hmm. But the trust magnifies that relational aspect, just like you're saying. Yeah. So I, I had 100% concur with that. And I think the other unintended consequence with how we deal with the word faith is that many times when we talk about faith in God, it fe- it can feel like something we have to muster up within ourselves, which is not a relational perspective. It's a self, it's a self-focus. It's like, okay, I have to have more faith. Well, yes, it's true. You want to trust God more. But it, when we just throw the word faith around, it can feel like, okay, I've got to come up with this. I've got to build this up within myself. But it's really, no, it's a, it's a process. It's a journey. It's a relational journey of learning to trust in God, learning that you can depend on God. And that plays out in every area of life, including, including business. So anything um, specifically you would say to encourage the business people listening to this podcast? Well, I, I, that's really big question um well if you're if you're a believer running a business you're listening to this podcast you can absolutely depend on god to to help you with your business and and if you're putting god first and you're doing what god has led you to do there is an errant blessing in that Mm -hmm. um and it's it's this idea i mean yeah faith is not this um far away thing um i I spend a lot of time in apologetics as well. I've got a huge heart for it. And one of my passions is that faith is not blind. It is very much Mm evidence-based. And um, when it comes to some of these matters like provision or um, whatever you're questioning about God, you can actually look back at the testimonies of faithfulness and count that as evidence towards that attribute of God that you're questioning. Exactly. And uh, it, it applies to, to everything. So that, that's maybe something I would encourage people with is if you're struggling as a business leader, look back at what God has done, steward that testimony, and that's going to help give you the evidence you need to continue to trust in God. Absolutely. And uh, sorry, a lot of teaching is coming out of me today. Sorry, folks. But uh, just to, again, a little distinction why I use the word, both words, trust and dependence. Um, so trust is, is you, you know that the person is going to be there for you. You trust the person because you know they're going to be there for you. Dependence takes that a step further and says, I can't do it unless they're there for me. I can't do this on my own unless they are there for me. So not don't not only do I just trust that they're going to be there for me, if they're not there, I can't do it. <laughs> so that's where that dependence comes in and those I think those two words are just perfect descriptions of where we want to get to with God. Um knowing that he's true to his word, and he is there and is going to be there, and also knowing that we can't do it without him. We cannot love our families unconditionally without his help. We can't love those around us without his help. We can't uh, trust him fully without his help. Um, He's the one that gives us the ability to have the capacity to trust and depend on him. So that's awesome. So Sam, you had mentioned uh, earlier about your call to missions. Um, And of course, you know, we've heard how that's being played out in your business. Um, But what else is, is happening maybe outside of your business when it comes to your missions call? Yeah. Yeah. Missions. um, So I, I work with, um, local, uh, a local unreached people group that's pretty much 100% Muslim. It's 0.00% Christian here in the cities. 
And I'm about to move overseas to work with actually that same people group. Um, And it's a really incredible opportunity. So right now what that looks like is I'm I'm still working. uh, I'm working a little bit reduced schedule. So 32 hours a week. That's about half of what I was doing at this time last year. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And the the rest of my time I'm spending towards um, itinerating and raising support for for that long-term call to missions. Um, and so, yeah, missions is all about crossing boundaries. It's crossing, uh, ethnic, uh, linguistic, cultural boundaries, distance boundaries, whatever it takes for the proclamation of the gospel and really overcoming those barriers. And, um, I didn't, I didn't know what an unreached people group was when I came to North central Hmm. and upon discovering that not only are there nearly 7,000 unreached people groups, there's 3,000 unengaged unreached people groups, no Christians, no missionaries, no church planning strategy, Mm. nothing. Mm. And that just really stirred my heart, moved me with an amazing passion. And I just can't get out of that. Um, It's just something that's gripped my heart so strongly that, um, yeah. And as I pray, um, years ago, the Lord had challenged me don't pray for things that you're not willing to be a part of the solution for. Mm. And as I began to pray, it's like, Lord, thrust forth laborers into the harvest. Mm. And then I look at the context, and right after that in Luke 10, um, the disciples are sent out. <laughs> and so um, it, it just really fit together well for me. Um, so, wow. I, yeah, that, that's kind of where, where I'm headed. So. so is there a timeline yet uh, or a specific timeline? Yeah, yeah, the goal would be to be there by the end of the year. Um, okay. If I get my wow. support raised sooner than that, then I will leave sooner. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. That's amazing. It's uh, exciting. I know that's been something, a dream and a call on your life that you've had for a while. And I know, I remember we, we met up for lunch, I don't know, a year ago, Sam, probably before COVID, I think. I think so. Was, we were at Chipotle, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, yep. And we, you know, you were telling me about just the dream for that and like the position the Lord had you and that's where you were and raising support and everything down the road. And here you are making it happen, man. God's providing. God, God is doing it. Yes. <laughs> yep. it's exciting. God is making it happen. Yep. And um, yeah, it's it's definitely stretching. I've never fundraised before in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and It's just, but you know, God has always been faithful with with my family. He's always provided. Yep. And he does that. um, So, yeah, I don't have any concerns. Some people really struggle with with raising their support. Um, And I just, I just believe for it. God, God does it. And um, it's all in his time. And I don't want it to be sooner than his time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And neither do I want it to be later than his time. So, you know, I'm faithful with what he gives me, but ultimately, yeah, that, that dependence on him is, is huge. So, yeah. And that's another relational dynamic. And I mean, it's mysterious, you know, there's, there's mysterious parts of human relationship and there's a lot of mystery when it comes into relationship with God, but those are all relational dynamics of just learning to rest and trust, uh, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of, of how it plays out. Um, you've given a couple examples, Sam, and talked about um, specifically, you know, hearing from God, even the one time, not even sure if it was audible or not. Um, but I always love my for myself and for our listeners to hear different nuances of how different individuals hear from God or sense God's voice or sense God's direction. And it, and it's very challenging to put into words, believe me, I know. Um, but is there anything you can share with our listeners uh, any, uh, uh, of just what it's like for you to hear from God? What's it feel like? What's it sound like? What's it look like? Yeah, yeah that has become more nuanced for me as I spend more time with the Lord and just in the journey I've had. Um, I'd say the first way that the Lord really began to speak to me was through feeling actually. So I'd be talking with someone and then, you know, all of a sudden I start to get a pain in a specific part of my back and I'd be like, <laughs> Hey, do you have pain here? And they'd be like, yeah, how'd you know that? Oh my goodness. Um, and it, it just began to be something I realized that's, that's 
one way the Lord speaking to me. Huh. Um, and then later I began to realize um, when thoughts interrupt you um, and it doesn't make sense, a lot of times that can actually be the Lord. Yep. And Taylor, I think you might have been with me for this, but yeah. we were uh, at Applebee's, there's a few of us guys, and I had just a crazy thought come into my mind that our waitress, when she was 14, that her parents had been divorced and that she internalized something about God hmm. as a result of that. And I remember sharing it with the guys at the table. It's like, this is kind of a nuts word, and I don't really know if I want to share it because if it's wrong, <laughs> wow. this is going to be really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> She's just like, uh, no. <laughs> right. Um, and she came back over, and I asked her about it, and it was correct. Oh, my uh, God. And the Lord really moved through that. And so sometimes there's an interruption of thoughts. And then the big one for me personally, um, like if God has something specific that he's speaking to me about, generally that's going to come through a dream. Um, Hmm. and so I I have lots and lots of dreams and, um, that's, that's a big one for me. Interesting. Do you just curious, do you do any, uh, journaling with those dreams or track them at all? Yep, I I write them down and then I pray through it and ask the Lord if there's a specific interpretation. Sometimes there doesn't need to be an interpretation. Hmm. Um, It's just um, it's it just happens that way. Um, When I first started having dreams, for example, I I had a dream that I went to work the next morning, and at that time I was working in a cafeteria at North Central, and I had a dream that. I had baked some cookies, and then somebody stole one of my M&M cookies. <laughs> so I was like, I wake up, and I was like, well, that was, that was odd. I go to work, and, you know, I'm making cookies, and then I look over, and one of my M&M cookies is gone. <laughs> what? <laughs> and it was just something, uh, I think it was more so towards the beginning as well, for the Lord to say, hey, I'm, I'm getting your attention. Wow. Um, and then, you know, I had a, a dream the next night that I had a class canceled the next morning. I wake up and I check my email and lo and behold, that class is canceled. Mm. Um, and I thought, well, praise God. Uh, no, no, not really. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's, that's wow. uh, yeah, journaling I think is critical for sure with, with that. Because um, wow. especially with dreams, it's very, very easy to forget them. Um, and I, I don't, um, I, so not all dreams are from God, but you don't know that until you've actually asked the Lord about it. Yeah. So, mm. yeah. Wow. That is amazing. So lastly, Sam, um, I mean, it's just, it's so cool just to see how relationship with God permeates your life. Uh, but speaking of that, um, can you share with our listeners how it does play out in your everyday life? Uh, like specifically, like, what's it like for you to stay engaged with God throughout your day? Um, how does that, what does that end up looking like, uh, sounding like? What's, what's your role? What's your role in, in that, in, in staying engaged with God throughout your day? Yeah, my, my role is to realize that relationship with God is two ways. And so not only do I need to pray, but I need to listen Mm. And in fact, I would consider listening to be part of prayer. So when I get up in the morning, I'm immediately asking the Lord if there's anything that he wants me to be aware of. Mm. Um, and that that's a powerful way to start the day and to say, Lord, whatever you're doing today, I, I want to be a part of that. Um, I don't, I don't mm. want my own plans to get in the way and just being surrendered to that. And throughout the day, just all, I mean, obviously, it's like I have more of an extended time in the morning, but throughout the day, especially if I begin to feel restless about something, mm. that's an indication that I probably am not depending on God. Mm. Um, and so I'll, I'll pull away. It, one of the things that I tell people is uh, if they're asking how much time with the Lord do you spend or how much time is enough, and because we like to formulize everything, and I, yep. and I, I tell them, if the time I'm spending with Jesus isn't affecting all of my other time, then that's how I know it's not enough time. <laughs> and so hmm. uh, I'll pull away during the day, maybe take some time um, speaking in tongues or just interceding if there's something specific that's heavy on my heart um, and just asking for God's help with that. And that's probably 
what I would say. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, praying, then asking the Lord, if there's anything specific that I'm missing. And so, yeah, that's, yeah. Does, does that answer that? Yeah, for you? that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know if ever, I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast. I don't think I have, but I have a phrase and an acrostic that, um, that goes along with what you're describing. And the phrase is living in awe of God, living in awe of God. So, um, awe is of course a word of worship. Living in gives that, uh, perspective of remaining in that place. And then the acrostic with the word awe, A-W-E. So A, acknowledge, W, welcome, and E, engage. So our role is to engage by acknowledging God and welcoming God into every moment of our day. And so that phrase and that acrostic, it has just become a tool to help me throughout my day to remain in that place of what you're describing. So that's, um, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think Sam, we had this conversation years ago about, uh, you know, the example of, I I think it was an author maybe that wrote about this in his book, but, you know, try spending, uh, every hour set an alarm to spend 60 seconds with the Lord, you know? And then you get used to that and then you realize you want more. So then it's every 30 minutes and then every, you know, 10 minutes or whatever that looks like. And then it's like, eventually he's just on your mind 24 <laughs> seven and it's just yep. a better way to live. Mm. Uh, do we have that conversation a while ago? You know, I really am not recalling that off the top of my head, but it's definitely possible. Well, and then um, it was either a dream or it wasn't you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure there's, there's things like that, like brother Lawrence, right. Just practicing the presence and mm-hmm. uh, just really being uh, engaged with God as often as you can. And uh, is the more you pray, the more you pray, because <laughs> the more you want to, right? You know what? The more, it, you the know more what time it was. You spend with God, it's more addictive. Right. What's that? I think twenty-seven seconds. Is that what we talked about? <laughs> I can't remember. Dude, that doesn't sound familiar. Some, okay. Well, I'm just I'm just spitting <laughs> off all the things that have encouraged me in this way. And if you were a part of them, then so be it. But there's this other thing where something about thirty seconds just felt like kind of long. But if you can just take twenty-seven seconds, or maybe it was twenty. Yeah, 27 seconds and just slow down and just like breathe, focus on the Lord. Like that's such a a tiny blip in your day, but it's just sometimes all it takes to just realign your focus in the middle of a really stressful situation. I've found myself doing that where, you know, I'm in the middle of a work day or, or a conflict type of day or conversation or whatever it is. And you just slow down. It's like, man, I can take 27 seconds and then you're just ready to go. So anyways, um, couple of helpful, helpful hints here at mm-hmm. the end. But, yeah. uh, Sam, we've reached that point in our episode where we bring on our honorary member of the podcast, Billy Bob McCall. So I just patch him in here on the phone and Billy Bob, you're on with Sam Keefe. Sam? Sam, this Hello. is, yeah, this is Billy Bob McCall. How are you, Sam? I'm just dandy, Billy Bob. Oh, man, it's so good to meet you. Uh, young Master Taylor has told me so much about you and and his experience with you. And, well, it's, it's just so fun, fun to hear your voice. Hope someday I get to meet you face to face. Because I tell you, I got a face to gaze upon, my friend. I got a face to gaze upon. So let's meet someday. But, man, so good, so good to talk to you. Listen, Sam. I know a thing or two about a thing or two. And for example, you and I, we have something in common. Yep. Yeah. We're both auditors. Really? Yes, wow. we're both otters. When listen, I mean, I've been raising otters for years. I, I mean, aren't they just the cutest animal you ever seen in your life? How long have you been raising otters, Sam? <laughs> well, yeah, I haven't been raising that kind of otter, but... What? <laughs> what are you talking about? I've been raising a different kind of otter. <laughs> well, where I come from, someone who raises otters is called an auditor. What, what, do, you, ah. what do you do? <laughs> well, I look at people's financials and make sure that they're not doing anything inappropriate with their money. Okay, that's... First of all, that sounds a little weird. 
Because where I come <laughs> from, it's all about otters. But second of all, maybe, maybe you can help me out, Sam. I'm Uh-oh, I'm liking the I'm liking the financial help piece. I mean, <laughs> I don't I really don't want to say on air here how long it's been since I filed my taxes, but you know I've got like fifty seven shoe boxes just jam packed with receipts. And you know what I'm here's what I'm thinking, Sam. I'm thinking. This would probably be a good time of year for me to mail you those 57 boxes of receipts. And maybe maybe you can help me get squared away with the government. <laughs> what What's your thoughts on that, Sam? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you could definitely call up my company. I'm sure we'd love to find a way to help you with it. I mean, that can't be that uncommon, right? 57 shoe boxes. That's, I mean, I'm sure you guys get that every day. Well, we do have what you call shoebox audits. I knew it. I knew it. Quite a bit. I knew it. I knew it. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my sweetheart to bundle those up and get those off to you, and maybe I can get squared away. Well, maybe I can get squared away with Uncle Sam. I appreciate it. Oh, I just made it funny. Sam and Uncle Sam. Hey. <laughs> I kill myself. Oh, 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 oh! I hear the otter squealing. I hear the otter. I gotta get off to the otter, Sam. All right. All right. Great talking to, to you. Yeah. Good meeting you, Sam. Bye bye. Thanks, Sam, for making that happen. I was just thinking, I don't know if Billy Bob can afford the shipping <laughs> to get all those boxes to you. Wow, 57, 57. <laughs> That's a lot of shoeboxes. That is a lot. Well, hey, Sam, appreciate you as a friend and uh, doing this. I'm really excited to have this um, episode with your perspective to even reference back in my life in the future. And for all our listeners, I know they're going to really enjoy it. Absolutely. I'm so thankful for you all. And I, I think that this vision for Worship is Life is just something that's so needed today and so mm. relevant. And mm. so I can't wait to see how God continues to use that. So, Yeah, I, thanks, I, Sam. I, yeah, thank you all so much. <laughs> yeah, same for you. God bless you. Um, God bless you as you live your life with him and for him. Thanks, man. Thank you all. all right. See you. Bye. resources and to find out more about Worship is Life, head to worshipislife.org. My name is Sam Keith and you're listening to the Worship is Life podcast.